Before the message, we have a special in music with Adrian, Laura, and, and Leah as they uh, share with us.
victory belongs to the Lord. As we, oh, I'm still a little hot there. As we believe the Lord and depend upon Him, He can give us that victory. He can even take the fiery darts of the wicked one, of the devil, and turn them around and be for our good even if we are depending upon the Lord and trusting Him and listening to Him. Take Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Do you know there's primarily two types of Christians here this morning? One is I would call conscientious. The word conscientious divine means wishing to do what is right, especially to do one's work or duty well or thoroughly. When we apply that to the, the uh, armor of God and implementing that armor, a conscientious Christian will want to learn what that armor is and how they can implement that in their lives to do it well. Then we have some Christians that may be here today that would come under the category of conscience. Aware and responding to one's surroundings. Awake. You're here and you're awake. Ah, hope that's not just you today. We may have by the time the message is over a third category. Unconscious. <laughs> that would be fine by eyes closed, head bobbing, and occasional snoring. I hope that will not be you today. But uh, I hope that each one of you would have a desire, uh, especially as we look at uh, this particular topic and the mini-series that I've been dealing with, with the spiritual warfare that we are in and the armor of God that he provides for us to implement in our lives. In Ephesians 6 and verse 10 it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes, the tricks of the devil. Verse 13, it says, because we're, verse 12, because we're in a spiritual battle, verse 13 says, wherefore, because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so our primary... Um, thought that God has tried to get across to us is to understand that we are in a spiritual battle and that we are facing that foe every day and that we must have the armor of God in order to have victory. But you will never have the armor of God if you do not know what it is. You can never implement a piece of the armor of God if you're unsure about what that piece is and what it's referring to. And you'll never learn what that piece means and represents if you are just conscious this morning and not conscientious about what we're talking about. So I want you to listen very carefully. Uh, let me ask you a question first of all. How many of you have ever flown before? Flown an airplane. Most of you out there have flown an airplane. I've flown in some of the single-engine Cessnas right on up to going across uh, the big water to, to Europe on a missions trip, uh, going to the Holy Land. Um, one of the things that you notice is when you get ready to, before you take off and you're beginning to taxi out, the attendants will come out and they'll begin to talk to you about 
if there is a uh, an emergency, uh, you have flotation devices under your seat. You have uh, exits at these windows and, and at these doors, and and uh, oxygen. Will, you know, and they begin to, to give all these instructions. You know what I find when I'm looking around at people during that time? <laughs> they're missing their stuff. They're getting their seat ready, and and they're doing something on their phone, and they're not. Why are they not paying attention? Well, they weren't. They said, I don't think I'm going to need this. You know, if I thought the plane was going to crash, I wouldn't get on it. <laughs> and so it's never happened before. I've never needed it before. I, you know, I don't need to know that. Let's say that we were on a flight. Here we are all on the plane. And we're headed. We want to head to Hawaii. Why not? <laughs> well, we're going to Hawaii. We've already got, gone over to California there. We've just flown out of uh, LAX. And uh, we're heading toward Honolulu Airport. And we get about halfway over the Pacific, and the pilot comes on and says, Folks, I'm, I'm sorry to, to, to inform you this, but we have a malfunction uh, with the aircraft, and we are losing power, and there's nothing we can do about it. We are going to go down, and I'm going to do my best to give us a safe but we, a landing, but we're going to land in the Pacific. Uh, our attendants now are going to go rehearse back over with you what you need to know in order for this, you know, to survive this crash. Then the attendants begin to talk about where your flotation device is. Are you going to be filling with your phone, messing with the magazine in front of you? Or are you going to be listening to where exactly is that? <laughs> Where's mine? What exit am I going out of when this happens? What changed in the person? Their perspective of their need. Well, I hope that I, it was some way I could convince you to have the proper perspective that we are in a spiritual battle. This is a war that's going on as for you as a Christian. And every time, every day, in every situation, the devil and his demons are seeking to devour you. Seeking to have you trip up. They're throwing the fiery darts of temptation at you. And if you are not equipped for that battle, you will not have victory. And so it is necessary for us to have the proper perspective. And I hope that you'll gain that as we look into this uh, piece of the uh, believer's armor this morning, the shield of faith. Father, I pray that as we look into your word, as we are reminded of what this particular uh, piece of armor is, I pray that you would help us to understand the particulars of it, how it uh, speaks to us, what we're to do in order to use this armor uh, to help uh, deflect the temptations that come from the devil and his demons. And I ask, Lord, right now that you would bind him from being able to distract and disturb us from this particular message, help us to pay close attention, that each one of us today would be very conscientious to listen and to learn and then implement that into our lives. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 is where we find this bit, uh, piece of armor. But before we go into the piece of armor, guess what we need to do? We need to review. Now, real quick, I would hope that I could point to any one of you and say, would you stand up and give us the first three pieces of armor and tell us what do they mean? Can I do that? Ready? 
Ashley said, yep, got the news right here. <laughs> uh, if you can't, if you don't know what the first three pieces of armor are, you can't use them. You're going into battle defenseless. And any soldier that goes into the, to a battle defenseless, guess what happens to him? That's what's going to happen to you spiritually. You're not going to have victory. You're already positioned for defeat. And so the first three, well, first one was the belt of truth. And simply uh, being understanding and being ready with the truth of God's Word. We have it right here. There was the breastplate of righteousness that protects the vitals. As man thinketh in his heart, it, makes, it protects our mind, our bowels of emotion, affection, so that we don't have the affections for this world that we're protected from, but we have our proper affections for the things above that are eternal, not just temporary. The shoes of the gospel of peace includes that we are at peace with God because He is our Savior. We've been justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God. We have peace with difficult choices. We noticed in Colossians how it would let the peace of God rule umpire in our life. An umpire has the final say-so, the final word. So when you make a choice, whether it be college, whether it be career, or whatever it is there, we are to look for the peace of God in our, in our hearts saying, yes, that's the right thing. But if we're uneasy, if we're not at peace, then we recognize that hey, we're making the wrong choice. So we let the peace of God rule in our hearts with these tough choices. And we are at peace with stressful problems because, and all of us have those problems, we're at peace because we cast it upon the Lord. We're no longer anxious. But we have the peace of God that passes all understanding in our hearts. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, in verse 16, the shield of faith. The shield of faith is, above all, it says, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The wicked one it's speaking of. And when I speak of the devil, <clears throat> I'm speaking about primarily his demons. The devil does not take time to work on me or you individually. The devil is not omnipresent. He cannot be present everywhere at once. He's just in one place at one time. And Scripture tells us in, in Revelation chapter 12 that he is before the Lord right now accusing us, the brethren, the believers. And so he has his demons doing the work here. But I speak about the devil doing this as the wicked one because he's doing it through his demons. I hope you understand that uh, correlation. <clears throat> but we have in this shield of faith two alls. In that verse. And it divides the verse into two parts that I want you to understand. Above all and all the fiery darts. Now first of all, above all. It speaks of its, the importance of this particular uh, piece of armor. Uh, some say that it's the most important because it's above all the others we're talking about. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the case or on top of all of the others. But we're going to see something more important, I believe, in this designation. The shield is a shield, a big shield, about a piece of wood, about two feet by four feet in uh, length and width. And so we have here this big, big shield that if the fiery darts were coming of arrows, 
they could get down behind the shield and they would be protected. Any soldier in the first century would want that kind of shield. Any soldier going out where they're fighting against uh, others that got their arrows and they, they shoot them and here they are coming hundreds of arrows at one time, they want to be able to get down behind the shield. Uh, that is important. That's why this shield is important and what it represents for us. <clears throat> it is important to us today. Uh, a great uh, tool of protection for them and very important for us. But the phrase taking the shield indicates something to us that the first three pieces of armor did not say. Notice the first three speak in verse 14. Stand therefore having is the key. Having the loins girt about with truth, the belt of truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod, it implies having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The first three pieces of armor talk about having those on, that armor. It means to have on, you don't ever take it off. You keep it on. Whereas in verse 16, above all of that that you have on that you never take off, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and imply take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The last three we are to take. It means to have ready at hand. <clears throat> uh, all of you know softball, baseball. Um, when baseball players get to the game, they have on their uniform. They don't take off the uniform in between innings. Okay? They, they have on the uniform for the entire game. When they're in the outfield, they have their glove with them. When they come in from the outfield into the dugout, they take off their glove. They don't take off their uniform. They have it on. But they have their glove ready at hand for when they have to go back out to the field. Their bat is ready at hand when they have to get up to bat. Their helmet that they put on uh, when they get up uh, to bat is ready at hand. These things are ready for them to pick up at whatever time they need them. But the uniform stays on. Here's the difference between those first three and these last three pieces of armor. Above all, on top of the permanent armor, we're to have ready, first of all, this shield of faith. So let's look at the end of the second all. All the fiery darts of the wicked. The purpose of this armor is seen here. It is to help protect us from all of the fiery darts. What are the fiery darts of the wicked? I believe it is his temptations that he fires toward us. <clears throat> These arrows of temptation that come our way. How many of you as believers have ever been tempted how many of you have arms broke and you can't raise it? Uh, every one of us, according to God, experiences temptation. I believe I could say most likely we all experience temptation every day of our lives. That's just a part of this battle, spiritual battle that we're in. And it's a part of this war that we're fighting. In James chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that very thing. It says, every man is tempted, before we go any further, understand, every man, every person is talking about, is tempted. Okay? Every one of us experienced that. I can say this, every human being ever born in this world, including Jesus Christ, has been tempted. Temptation 
is not a sin. But it's giving into the temptation that sin begins. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4 records for us the temptation of Jesus Christ. He was tempted in three particular areas. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of our temptations in this world come into those three categories. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. God says in 1 John 5 and 1 John 2 that we are not to love the world because we are being tempted by the things in this world. Not only are we being tempted by the things that are in this world, but we're also being tempted by our own flesh. James 1.14 goes on to say, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own flesh. I have within me enough flesh that if the devil never urged me at all, I would still sin because of my flesh. But it goes on to say, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That enticement is what the devil does through his minions as he seeks to send those fiery darts of temptation toward us. That enticement, that baiting of the hook, is what he does and he knows exactly what we need to be tempted with in order to most likely bite at that temptation. At that enticement. <clears throat> so this temptation, I mean, excuse me, this, this shield of faith can protect us from Satan's temptations, all of the fiery darts of them. All of the temptations can be, uh, can be protected from. Now, so, let's learn. What is this particular shield? Well, the scripture says that it is the shield of faith. It is the shield of faith. Uh, our shield, faith is our shield. And not just, <coughs> excuse me, not just um, I have faith. You know, what is faith? Well, that's the next question. Let's first of all verify that faith is the shield. We were told in 1 John 5, 4 that uh, Jimmy read, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is that victory. So what is that faith? There are three things that I want you to understand about faith. The first one is that faith, for faith's sake, is worthless. Faith, for faith's sake, we would call it blind faith. Uh, some people have faith in false gods. Some, some people have faith uh, in it's no more of anything but optimism. You just got to have faith. No. You got to have faith in the right object, in the right person. Apart from that, faith is useless. And so faith, for faith's sake, blind faith is useless. Faith is only as valuable as the object that it is connected to. So we must have faith in the proper object, the proper person. Secondly, faith without works is dead. You know, remember over in James chapter 2, verse 14. 
James speaks about this, and some people as believers get confused because they say, wait a minute, didn't the Bible contradict it itself? We are saved by faith, not by works. But then James says in James 2, verse 14, What did the prophet, my brethren, do a man say? And I'm going to emphasize the word say. I underlined it in my Bible to correlate with the other word say. What did the prophet, my brethren, that if a man say that he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and de uh, destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? In other words, he says, <clears throat> he's using this illustration, and he says, Those of you that say that you have faith, but you don't ever have any works, Following it is like a person that, that comes across a needy family. They're hungry. They don't have the things that they, they need for daily life. And you have the ability to help them. But instead of helping them, you say, God bless you. I hope things work out. We'll pray for you, okay? And send them on their way. What good did you do? It's similar to what John wrote over in 1 John chapter 3 and verse uh, 17. But whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How can you say that you have the love of God in you, that you love God, I'll let you get that in front of my camera, <laughs> that you love God if you are not Doing those things that he says. Jesus asked the question, he says, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not those things that I say? If you love me, keep my commandments. You see, there, there is a correlation, a strong connection between saying I have faith, I have love, and Obedience of doing the works. And James went on uh, uh, to say there in James chapter 2, he says in uh, verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, if faith is not put to action, it's dead being alone. Um, it's not genuine. Here's some quotes that I came across. Faith is all about taking action. Faith shows up on your feet. Genuine faith will always be followed by good works. That's what James 2 is talking about. Genuine faith will always be followed by... You know, in James 2 it talks about... <clears throat> in the verse 19, Thou believest, you say you have faith... Uh, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils, the demons also believe and tremble. If all you do is say that you believe in God and, and so forth, but you don't have any, any works that follow, you're no different than the, de the demons that are certainly cannot be saved. They believe in God. But genuine faith that saves will always be followed by good works. And then the last statement of a quote that I think is uh, excellent Faith is based on what you do in response to what you believe. 
Faith is based on what you do in response to what you believe. And that brings us to the next statement about faith. What is it? Faith is simply believing God. What do I mean by that? Well, belief, the difference between having victory over temptations and not having victory over temptation is who do you believe? Who do you believe? You remember in the Garden of Eden, Satan came to Eve in the form of a serpent. And he said, Have God said you cannot eat of every tree of the garden? I mean, is he holding back on you? And she said, Well, we can eat all of them except for the one that we do will die. You shall not surely die. Yeah, God does, he doesn't want you to have everything. He knows that if you eat this, you're going to get something good that he doesn't want you to have right now. Now, we know the story of what took place. Who did Eve listen to? Did he listen to God? Don't eat of the tree of the Garden of Eden? Or did she listen to the devil? Oh, you're not going to die. Was the devil telling the truth? Yes. No. He, done, he did like what he's always done. He tells a little truth, but it's not the whole truth. You shall surely die. When she took of the fruit, she did not kill over dead physically, but she began to die physically. And she immediately died spiritually. And so, you're not going to die. It's true she didn't fall over immediately physically dead. But she did die. Satan was lying. And she listened to the devil more than she listened to God. And she gave in to the temptation and took a fruit. Who are you going to believe? Psalm 18 and verse 30 As for God, he is a buckler to all those that trust in him. He's a shield to all that trust in him. The shield of faith. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a, walking, is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. It is the faith that gives the victory. It's believing God and acting upon it in obedience. That's how we exercise to demonstrate or show our faith. <clears throat> so let me ask you a question. Every one of you, it depends on whether or not you get to leave today or whether I lock you up in here. Because I say that because every one of you can answer this question, probably even if you're conscious, not just conscientious. How do we demonstrate that we believe God? Now the answer is, I just told you the answer, every one of you, just seconds before asking the question. That's why I say everybody can answer if you're here conscious today. If you're sitting here unconscious, 
No, you couldn't answer. And you'll never have victory in your Christian life with that type of mentality or perspective. You don't look at it as being serious. It is. We are to listen to God. We're to believe God. And we're to demonstrate it by our obedience. Uh, the song Pastor Pirate uh, gave, Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key. You do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Don't just tell me you believe God. But show me that you believe God. By doing those things that He says. In Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> Jesus was just beginning His earthly ministry. And there was Simon Peter and, uh, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were fishermen and they had a couple of boats and they were partners in, in, in their uh, fishing, uh, uh, in fishing industry, fishing job. <clears throat> and we have Jesus that comes and um, tells Simon they, they fished all night. They haven't caught anything. Uh, they're now cleaning and mending their nets. And Jesus walks up to Simon Peter and he steps into his boat and says, how about pushing off just a little bit here? And they push off a little bit and Jesus sits down in Simon's boat and begins to teach the people. And it says in verse 4, Now when, he, when Jesus had left speaking, when he ended up speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out uh, into the deep, and let down your nets for a drought, for a big catch. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, I know that you are a carpenter, and not much of a fisherman, and you don't know these things, but fishermen only fish out here in the Sea of Galilee at night, and we've already been out there all night. We didn't catch anything. Now, that's not what he said. <laughs> but uh, as a professional fisherman, he knew what he was supposed to be doing, when he was supposed to be doing it, and where he was supposed to do it. In the Sea of Galilee, you go out at night, and you go out to the shallows, and that's where you're going to find the fish, and that's where you're going to catch your, your biggest uh, catch. But they had been all night, and they had caught nothing. Jesus said, go out into the deep, not the shallows. Go out in the day, not the night, and you're going to catch a big. So what does he say? Verse 5, Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have uh, taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break, it began to break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Woo! <laughs> Peter said it correctly. We've done it our way all night, and we call it nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let them in that. We can do things our way and stubbornly fail and not have victory. We can look and say, you know, I, I understand what God says here, but it just doesn't make sense to me to do it that way. But if we would have enough sense to say, like Peter, Nevertheless, 
at thy word, I'll do it like you say. That's where the victory comes. That's the shield of faith. Believing God and demonstrating it by our actions, by the things that we do. The shield of faith. One last thing before we close, and that is the question, how do we grow faith? I've got faith, the shield of faith. How do I get more faith? Well, there's uh, two things that I would say. Number one's tied to, to Romans uh, 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. As we hear the Word of God, how that God showed Himself faithful time and time again, the, uh, the uh, uh, people of, of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 that are testimonies to us, as we see of God's faithfulness, we can then grow our faith to believe and trust Him more. And also, secondly, the more I step out in faith and find God faithful with me, the more faith I have to step out in the next thing. But the shield of faith is exactly that. It's believing God. And it's demonstrating that we believe by stepping out in action. Doing the things that He says. So, how are you doing? Every head bowed, please. No one looking around. Our instruments will just start to play out quietly in just a moment. I want you to remember right now, think with me. Remember that every believer is in a spiritual warfare. Every one of you that trusted Christ as Savior, every one of you, you're in a battle every day of your life, whether you realize it or not. We need every piece of this armor that God provides, every piece of it, to know what it is and know how to implement it. But we cannot have it if we do not know what it is. So the belt of truth. Are you ready with the truth of God's Word? Knowing it and living it before others? Are you ready with the breastplate of righteousness protecting your mind, how you think, the inroads to your mind and your emotions, your affections, so that you would have proper uh, perspective, a proper understanding to be able to live righteously? The shoes of the gospel of peace, you have that confidence that you're at peace with God because you trusted Him as your Savior, and that you have peace with God in the, in the decisions, the choices that you make. Because He is the umpire in your life, peace is. And do you have a peace that uh, guides and provides as we cast our care upon Him? And then this shield of faith, believing God and proving it by our obedience, doing what He says. What is it that God has put his finger on in your life this morning? Is there something that you have not been doing? Something that he has wanted you to be obedient to, but you've held off? Maybe there's some decision in your life and 
you don't have that peace, but you're pushing on anyway. Why not step back and say, Lord, I don't have your peace, but I want it. Show me what I need to adjust. What decision today? Whatever it is, would you surrender it to Him and say, as the song is playing, Have thine own way? Have thine own way, Lord? That should be our choice today. Father, I pray for each one of us this morning. As we leave out of here and face the fiery darts of the wicked, may you help us to have a determination to be conscientious, to want to not only know these pieces of armor, but to implement them every day, that we will be prepared for the battles that do come. This is your war. You fight for us. Your armor, you provide it. May we use it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming today. I hope that it's been a blessing and a, and a help to you as you go. Again, this week, uh, through the next week, we'll be next Sunday meeting with the deacons and deciding what things look forward uh, to going on. There is one major announcement I need uh, to share with you, sadly that uh, we just found out um, that the Wilds Christian Camp is now closed for the entire rest of the summer. Uh, evidently, they have had uh, a couple of weeks that somebody has gone home and they have found out that they had COVID after they went home. And I don't know whether they're getting it there or not, but the same thing, they decided they were going to close, which is a tremendous hardship financially upon that uh, institution. That ministry has been going on, this is the 51st year, 51st summer of summer camp at the Wilds, and it's the first time that they've never been able to have camp other than this couple of weeks here that they've done it. So if you would be in prayer with them, I know that some have asked if they can give financially to the Wilds to help them out with some of those costs. That is possible. It just give to the church and say, a wild gift. Uh, we'll know what that's for, and we can send that on. Also, those of you that have young people that are registered to the wilds, there are two options that they're giving us. One, you can let that ride with them and say, take that, keep that as a donation uh, with what's going on this year. Or if you'd like to get that uh, refunded, they will refund that money to us. They just ask to be patient as they're trying to work out those details and as we communicate to them. So you'll need to communicate with Paul and Ashley, uh, primarily I guess Paul, let him know if you want that money, uh, you need that money to come back, or do you want it to uh, ride with them as a gift, and uh, we'll take care of those uh, accounting uh, with the wilds to inform them. So keep them in prayer. I thought, uh, had a second thought about, uh, I know that there's a couple camps here in Virginia, uh, uh, asked Paul about this morning. He was saying even the Virginia camps are not open right now. Um, they have not been open uh, for the summer. So uh, that kind of is where we are, and so we don't have any options with that. But um, 
Anyway, just keep us in prayer as we make those decisions, and I hope to see you Wednesday night. God bless you. Uh, you are dismissed.